just going to quickly get up here and introduce our um, the, our sermon deliverer today, Joe Gillum, um, a good friend of ours. Joe is a PCAA teaching elder who is also a Navy chaplain, and we look forward to hearing from him. Joe. Philippians chapter, yeah, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 this morning, if you have a copy of God's Word, Philippians chapter 4, it's a joy to be a redeemer, uh, I always appreciate y'all's um, laid-backness, uh, and uh, I grew up in a very, very uh, small church, my dad was a pastor, and, uh, and I enjoyed, uh, I enjoy that uh, aspect of your church, and um, I also always enjoy uh, Ken's uh, time of confession. Um, I, I, I really think uh, he's got a gift there, and I, every time he does it, I think to myself, he is really gifted in that, and, uh, and every time he does it, I always come away with something, something to think on, and so I think that's a great part of your service. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10, and we'll read down to Verse 20, as you're uh, turning, let me just give you a, a little bit of a background of this book. As you know, Paul writes this. He writes this to the church at Philippi. He writes this around 60 AD, and he writes it really for two main purposes. One was to encourage them in the faith. Uh, the church at Philippi was a good church uh, by New Testament standards. They had their little issues. They had some conflict and stuff like that. But for the most part, they were a good church. And so Paul writes this to encourage them to remain steadfast in the faith. The second reason that he writes it, and I would say the main reason that he writes it, is he writes it to thank them for their generosity. Paul had established this church about 11 years in the past. He had started the church. He had not been to the church about four years. He is now in a rough spot. He is in jail. He's broke. Um, everything in his life is going poorly. This church in Philippi, they had heard about this. They had heard about his struggles and his problems. And so they send this guy by the name of Paphroditus to find Paul in prison. They find Paul, and in finding Paul, they deliver him an offering that they had taken up for him. In return, Paul writes this church, this letter, as a thank you note to give to Epaphroditus to take back to the Philippians to thank them for everything that he, they had done for him. It is in that kind of context that he writes this letter and we have a backdrop for our verses this morning. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. And if you're able this morning, let me encourage you to stand for the reading of God's word. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 10, and I'll conclude in verse 20. It says this, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. 
I have received full payment and more, and I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and the glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we think about the new year and as we get around this time, any time that we think about the future, it immediately brings certain emotions inside of us. It can't but help bring emotion of fear and concern. When we think about the future, it reminds us of the reality that we're not God. It reminds us the reality that there are so many things that are outside of our control. I have no ability to control my health in 2019. I have no ability to control certain things. There are aspects of the future that are completely outside of my grasp. In very similar ways, it is to being a earthly father. As I think about being an earthly father, there are many things that it means to be a good earthly father. But one thing that it means to be an earthly father is to think about the future and make plans for the future for your home. I don't think that there is a day that goes by that at one point in the day that I don't think about the financial future of my family. I'm constantly thinking about the future of what they will need at particular seasons of life, what they will need spiritually and what they will need physically and what they will need psychologically. However, after you have done it for a certain period of time, you are reminded once again that you fail at it often. You come to particular seasons and you think to yourself, I, I, I would never have seen that coming. I have given thought and I've thought through it and I've thought through this obstacle and I've thought about navigating in this way. And then a particular season comes up and a certain obstacle comes out of the way that I would have never thought would have happened. See, provision has the idea that you have the ability to see the future. You have a vision of the future and you have the ability to a plan accordingly. Well, as we think about God as our heavenly father, God is a God that is not a God that does not bring us into his family spiritually. And then in, the less, in essence tells us, hey, listen, you just need to make do of the future. Uh, God is not a deadbeat father. He is not a father that, that has children and he doesn't plan for them for the future. God is a God that sees everything in the future, everything that someone will need, and he provides for them perfectly because he's a good and a gracious God. As we come to this section this morning, as Paul concludes this letter, the Apostle Paul lays down for us a theological understanding of how God provides for his children. And in this section, Paul reminds us of the promises that God has provided for us everything that we need for life and godliness. There is not one aspect, there's not one aspect of life that God has not planned and prepared for those who worship him. As you begin looking in this section, I, I think the first thing that Paul brings to our attention is that God provides relational grace for us. He says this in verse 10. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Skip down to verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share in my troubles. Paul had not been with his church for some time. 
But it seems as though that every time that the Apostle Paul had some need, that this church was there. Uh, they were just right on the spot that, that any time he had a concern, he, he was with this church and that he had left this church, but now he had got into a difficult spot. He was poor. He, he was broke. He was in a difficult position. And these people thought of this, and they took part in their need, his need. They were not a rich group of people. This was not a people who lived in plenty. They gave out of their poverty. And it was not just financial giving that Paul is talking about. It says here specifically that they shared in his trouble. That, that, that Paul's problems became their problems. That, that they took Paul's problems, that they took Paul's troubles, and, and they actually placed them upon their own backs. There is many things that sin has done to us, but, but one thing that sin has done to us is that sin has made us all needy people. We think that we're independent and we think that we do not have problems, but that we all need people. When we come to God and we come to the gospel and the gospel saves us, it immediately reminds us of our neediness. God knows that we are needy and he has providentially provided for our needs. And one thing that he does in this providential act of him is that he brings people across our paths to share in our problems. Have you ever been in a particular place in life? And, and, and just in this particular place of life, you, you needed a certain relationship. And it was as though God crossed paths with you and to give and cross paths in your life. And this person that came into your life they had exactly the gifts that you needed to encourage you in that season of life. Paul says that that didn't happen by chance. That was by God. God ordained that. Now, I, I'm on a ship right now, and if there's 10 regenerated people on that ship, I'd be amazed. But there's one individual, he's a chief. I believe he's a regenerated, God-fearing uh, man. And every time I, I run across him in that environment, He's an encouragement to me. He, he brings relational grace to me. He, he, his conversations are, are an aroma that, that, that is sweet-smelling to, to my heart. Paul says that, that God has planned for us relationally what we need and that he gives us, grants us grace through certain people. Paul says here that the Philippians, that God had worked in their life where they had gotten to a point where, where they had shared in his trouble. Another thing that sin has done to us is that sin has bent us inward. Uh, it, it, we are consumed with our own trouble. We are consumed with ourselves. I, I would imagine it wouldn't be very difficult today if I said, hey, listen, I want everybody to do this exercise today. Um, I, I know it's going to be challenging, but I want you to do this today. At some point today, I just want you to spend a little bit of time thinking about yourself. Okay, about your problems, about your trouble. I know it's going to be difficult. Put the kids asleep. Make sure everybody's taken care of. But just spend some time today thanking upon yourself. Um, I, I've counseled a lot of people, and I have never had someone sit down on my couch and say, Chaps, let me just begin here. My biggest problem is that I am consumed with the needs of others. Um, that, that, is, that is my struggle. I, I cannot get the thought of serving others off of my mind. It consumes me. No, that, that is not the way that we work. 
we are naturally bent inward to our own problems. And in many ways, that is at the beginning of much of our psychological distress. But the gospel comes and the gospel bends us outward. It, the, the gospel bends us outward to, to look at our neighbor. The, the gospel makes us r- relationally concerned with people. The, the, the gospel says, how can I share in your trouble? Mm, the gospel doesn't say, hey, listen, you got yourself into that mess. Now you get yourself out of it. No, that's how an unbeliever talks. Aren't you glad that God does not talk to us that way? Aren't you glad that the God of this heaven doesn't look at us and say, hey, Joe Gillum, you got yourself into this mess. Now you get yourself out of it. No, that's not how God talks to us. You see, when the gospel changes us, it it makes us concerned with others. I I would dare say that if you want to be a, a light where you work, that one thing that would set you apart is a person who is a true believer is to be concerned with the needs of others, to be concerned with the needs of others. I'm on a ship right now, and I've been on it for about six months, and my ship is in the shipyard. Um, And if you've never been on a shipyard, uh, in a shipyard, uh, just pretend for a second that that purgatory is a real thing, okay? Um, And a shipyard would be kind of like purgatory. Um, Everybody wants to get out of it, and nobody knows how to get out of it. Um, and, the, and the second that you think that you're going to get out of it, they just say, just a few more months. Um, and that's kind of the reality of it. Uh, and the second thing about it is that, that everybody there is in a bad mood. Everybody's in a bad mood. Um, and they're in a continuous bad mood through the day. A- and they're, they're really about one step away from going ballistic at all times. And as I've lived in that environment for about uh, six months, You know, there's several things that I've noticed that set people apart. One thing is to smile. Um, That is the first thing that sets people apart. And the second thing that it it just, it it immediately shows itself is to be concerned with the needs of others. Just to be concerned with the needs of others. When is the last time in your working environment have you gone up to someone and said, so how are you doing? How was your Christmas? Is there any way that that I can serve you? What's going on in your life? What are your needs? You, you say, no, I, I just kind of talk about my own problems all the time. Paul says that the Philippians, they shared in his troubles. They were concerned for him. God granted them that grace, but God provided for him relational grace. The other thing that Paul says that God provides for us, he provides for us financial grace. 16 and 17, it says this. He says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul is at the end of his rope here. He had nothing. And this church hears of his needs and they take it upon themselves to take up an offering. And they send this trustworthy individual by the name of Epaphroditus, more than likely he's probably a deacon. And he sends this offering with Epaphroditus to find him in prison and to give him this offering. And Paul says that he appreciated the gift, but he says he even more so, he, had, he said he had gotten to a point that he, he actually appreciated the, the grace that was working in their life more. When you think about the pr- provision of God, I, I think for most of us, probably depending on how you're wired, we often think about God's provision 
primarily financially. I, I think maybe that's because we're Americans and, and we think often through the, the lenses of money. God provides it for us in a myriad of ways, but, but, but life operates on money. Um, uh, uh, life operates often on, on financial gain. You know, as I think about how God provides for uh, his children, in, in many ways, he, he provides for the unbeliever in, in similar ways, but they don't have the faith to, to see it. But he, he provides for us in, in I, I think, two ways, usually. The first way that he provides for us is by, by un- uncommon acts of providence. Um, we're going about our life. We have some financial concern. And this, then just out of nowhere, God meets that financial concern and we weren't even prepared for it. I, I think this is the example right here. Paul, is, he's, in a, he's in a corner. He's in a rough spot. And God just providentially is working out circumstances that he's not even aware of to meet his financial needs. I, I mean, you ever been in a place where, you know, this week something probably is going to break, I would imagine, for some of us. Knock on wood. And something breaks, and, and, and it's a car uh, repair that you weren't expecting. And it's, and it's $300. And, and then all of a sudden, y- you go to your mailbox, and there's some aunt that you haven't talked to in years. And all of a sudden, there's a check in there for like 250 And you're like, okay, well, that, that's good, God, but I, it was 300 I don't know if you knew that. And then all of a sudden, this guy at work says, hey, listen, I, I got family in, and it's busy. C- can you pick up an, an extra shift for me? And then all of a sudden, you're thinking to yourself, God, how, how, did, how did you know all this? How did you do all this? It's... It's, it's, it's uncommon acts of providence. Th- there's certain things that you just weren't expecting that happen, and then God worked in it. And when they happen, they strengthen our faith greatly. They, they just have an amazing effect on our faith. However, it's not the usual way that God works. I said uncommon. Uh, he could put a coin in a fish's mouth if he needs to, but he doesn't do it every day. That's not how he works every day. The primary ways that he works is is this way. God, in the beginning of creation, he says that he has ordered his creation to work in a certain way. He says that when we work and we take dominion and we advance, so we take the skills and the gifts that God has given us and we use them to advance on the earth, that God has ordered his creation to work a certain way, that when we do that, His creation produces a gain for us. And he says that we, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, we live in that process. We work and the earth produces a gain. We work and the earth produces a gain. And quite often we do that so much that we lose sight of the fact that that is how God provides for his children primarily. That's how God has ordered his creation work and every time it happens sometimes we lose sight that it's going to happen again i don't know if you're like me i go to my checking account on the first and the 15th and when i go on the first and the 15th there is a big number and i a pretty decent number i guess it's relative and i love to see that number where it starts out right it's a big number and and then you start paying the bills and then the number just it just drops 
And then it and then it just keeps dropping. And depending on where you are financially, it can get really, really dangerously low where you're telling your wife, don't don't use that one card, that that one card, don't use that card. And and you get to that point uh, after you've paid your bills and you think to yourself, I, I don't I don't know what we're going to do. This is over. We're this is goner. We're, 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 it's, a, it's a done deal here. And it produces all kind of fear in your heart. And then all of a sudden, about two weeks, it happens again. And, 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 and you start out again with a lot of faith and a lot of assurance. And then all of a sudden, it just starts coming down again. And we live in that cycle day after day after day. And God continually provides for us. I found out this about money, if I found out anything, it's this fact that God always gives us just enough. He always just gives us enough. And the problem is, is that whenever he gives us a little bit more, we always find ways to spend it very quickly. So even when he gives it to us, there becomes new opportunities to spend it. God graciously and he spiritually provides for us. The psalmist in Psalm 37, he says, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen your children beg for bread. Paul says that he was continuously provided for financially. God provides seasonal grace for us. He says this in verse 11 through 13. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation to be content. I need ho- I need I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and I can do all things who strengthens him. Paul in one swoop here describes every circumstances of his life. He looks across the landscape and the timeline of his whole existence. And he says, when I look at my whole life, he says, there's times I'm high and there's times I'm low. He says, there's times I've had a lot and there's times I've had a little. And and I don't think that Paul is clearly just speaking here of of financial stability. I think he's speaking also spiritually. I think he's speaking psychologically. I I think he's speaking of every aspect of life. He says, I I, I can look back over my life, over the landscape of life, and I can see times that that I've been spiritually there, spiritually low, the ups and downs of life. You you know, when I think about my life, and I'm I'm not too young and I'm not too old. I'm just kind of in the middle. I'm 41. Um, I'm not seeing everything, but I've seen a few things. I don't know what that means. Um, But but as I think about just where I'm in life, if I'm in the middle, um, Lord willing, um, if I'm in the middle and I look back like 20 years, I, I, I can see just over the last 20 years of, of walking with God that, 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 that there's just ups and downs. There's, there's times that, that I've had money and there's times that, that it's tight. Um, th- there's times that I have, been, I have been spiritually alert and alive. And there's times that I've gone to the word of God and I'm reading the promises of God and it's as though they're dead to me. I'm 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 trying to discipline myself for godliness. I'm trying to listen to sermons, but it's as though that my my heart is a desert towards anything spiritual. There's times of being a father and a husband that you feel alive and and there's times that 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 it's work. There's times that, that, that in life where you just feel like everything is going well. 
And there's times that you feel that it's quite difficult. Paul here says that in all of those situations, he had learned the secret. The word learn there means that it was a process. You, you, you don't come into life knowing this. This isn't your default setting. You have to be taught this. He says he had learned over time the secret. And he had learned to be content. That is full, satisfied, lacking nothing. Now, Paul is not sitting here saying that. What he is not saying, he is not saying that the, uh, the, the circumstances of life had controlled his emotions. So Paul did not say that this was what my life is. That should not be the Christian life. We should not be dictated by everything around us. That is the mark of an unbeliever. Uh, a mark of a believer is that he should have some spiritual discipline in that. Paul says that, that he had learned spiritually that no matter what took place in life, he was going to be content. Now, how was he able to be content in all of those circumstances? He says this in verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You, you know, the fr- that, that, that verse... It perfectly balances uh, the, the balance between our responsibility and God's sovereignty. He says, I can do all things. There, there was a mandate on him to fight for contentment. Y- y- you know, you can't just go out and be like, hey, man, my life stinks. I'm going to complain all the time. You know, it just is what it is. Eh, life, eh, you know, I'll just be grumbly all the time. No, no, you can't. The, the Bible commands you and me to fight contentment that the bible doesn't give us a free pass to complain and moan all the time it doesn't do that but he says this i can do all things now watch this through him who strengthens me paul said that in every one of those seasons of life it was a mystery and you couldn't see it that the way that he was able to get through those seasons is that god was inwardly persevering and providing for him all the grace he needed for those seasons of life and that was the way that he was able to do it you know there's probably many things about facebook the problem with redeemer is i never remember how long i'm supposed to preach at this church and it's 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 the only bad thing about this church i really it's the only bad thing as a preacher that i i I don't know and so I, i don't know what the time is but i'll just keep going I, I've, I've gotten to the point, I guess, when I start seeing bodies out there, that means something. Um, y- you know, there's many things about that Facebook that are not grand and great, but there's one thing about Facebook that I love. And uh, every, every time it happens, I, I love it and, and I enjoy it. And um, it's when you're looking, you go to your Facebook account, and it says a memory that you had eight years ago. And, um, and every time I do that, I go and it's a picture of my family and and every one of my kids are really really young uh, there's just babies and everything and you look at that picture and if you're a woman you would probably look at that picture and say oh that's so sweet if you're a man you would look at that picture and say that looks like a lot of work um <laughs> and and every time i look at that picture I, I say to myself how in the world did we get through that season of life H- how did how did we make it through that? How, how did we keep our covenant vows? And how did we deal with sleepless nights? And how did we deal with losing a kid? And how did we deal with cancer? And how did we deal with all of these obstacles in life? You know, the re- way that we dealt with all of those was the inward persevering grace of God. 
that God in that picture was strengthening and persevering us. And you know, in five or six, seven, eight years, uh, if God still gives me breath and there still is a Facebook and, and I go to Facebook and I look and I see a bunch of teenage boys and I think about dealing with teenage boys and everything that goes along with teenage boys and I look back at that picture and I say to myself, how in the world did we get through that season of life? The answer will still be the same. The persevering grace of God. That God in every season of life, he gives us exactly what we need you know as we think about the new year i I don't know anything about the new year i don't even know about myself i don't know about you i don't know what god will require of us for our health or for our finances what god will require for us for our children our extended family or our working environment I, i don't know anything about 2019 but i do know this fact that god will provide grace for his children And that there is nothing that will happen in 2019 that God has not provided for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that his promises are always yes and amen in Christ. Father, we ask that you would grant us your grace in this year to come. And Father, that we would take comfort in your promises. And we ask these things in the strong name of Christ. Amen.